0: welcome to from the ground
1: up where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded sit back and have a beer with us well some of you are driving if you're driving keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show
2: welcome everybody i'm joe phelan port city pet I'm just kidding. It's me, Joseph from Pumano Coast Exotics, the pet podcast. I am filling in for Joe. Joe is not feeling well. Um, so I'm here. He asked me to fill in. Figured, why not? I like doing the podcast thing. Um, portcitypet.com. Get shirts, substrates, isopods, snakes, when Joe has some for sale, all that good stuff. Um, we're going to have my buddy Andy Middleton on tonight. Uh, he keeps a lot of uh, scrubs, carpets. Uh, I think he's got some diamonds, some emeralds. He's got some chondros. So I'm going to get into uh, that. And he's got a really interesting setup with his room. And the, uh, the way he monitors all this stuff is just really, like, got to let people know. So um, I'll keep the introduction brief as far as my stuff goes. But uh, PortCityPet.com, Joe was like, promote your stuff. I'm not going gonna. Gonna to promote Joe's stuff because this is Joe's show. So we can uh, throw Andy on. And
1: there he is. How's it going, Justin? It's good to be with you again. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. You uh, caught me at the right time. I'm in the snake room. and uh, Yeah, doing yeah, all right. It was
2: super short notice, so I appreciate you doing this.
1: Yeah, no worries. I kind of look like a mess. It's like eighty-four degrees in here and roughly fifty-two percent humidity. So, yeah, I'll be sweating it out, but uh, happy to be here.
2: I'm in the garage and it's uh, it's it's stupid hot. So, I'm right there with you, except yeah. it's probably closer to like seventy percent humidity because in South Carolina, it's absolutely merciless.
1: Yeah, it must be nice for your snakes, though, right?
2: it makes that a lot easier actually i'm not gonna lie it it makes the uh you know i don't have to worry about bad sheds nearly as much as a lot of you know guys up north and guys out west do and so there's a silver lining but um what's been going on
1: oh not much just uh enjoying the time home as much as i can you know working from home uh kind of really happy to be around the animals a lot more than i usually am so there's a plus sides to you know the whole situation but uh
2: yeah Uh, oh yeah how's the how's the covid stuff been up there has it been pretty hectic
1: uh yeah yeah definitely um you know a lot of you know stuff you gotta keep your eye out for and uh i don't know it seems to you know the tension seem to vary from like county to county or you know as soon as you cross over to new york state it gets uh i don't know there's a different mood but uh you know overall i haven't been too bad none of my loved ones you know i've been too impacted mm-hmm. so That's yeah good. no complaints really
2: and you're still working even if it's from home
1: Yep. So. yeah i'm working from home and starting to get back to work but yeah yeah gonna miss being around the snakes more but yeah happy to be man working, working from
2: home's tough it's uh, I did that when I was at, at my previous job. I worked from home a lot, and it was... It, it gets tough. It, you have to have a lot of really solid self-discipline to, to be consistent and stuff like that. And um, So my hat's off to, to people who can do it uninterrupted and, and get things done. But I always struggled with that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, me but, too. Uh,
2: so what do you... Uh, you got anything new in the collection currently, or is everything about the same? You've been bringing anything um, in
1: yeah i guess i've uh been adding a lot of stuff it's been nice you know because i haven't had to take care of it really because <laughs> yeah. uh, i haven't been able to get anything shipped mm-hmm. but uh, yeah i definitely got some things on the way that i'm really excited about um still within the you know same scope of what i'm mm-hmm. working with now cool uh, well, yeah really excited about it.
2: for the people that don't know what your awesome collection consists of what are you what are you keeping at the moment like as far as species go
1: yeah, so I work with uh, green tree pythons with uh, primarily focus on the designer stuff, but I got a few, uh, few outlier locality animals mm-hmm. here. Um, I work with uh, emerald tree boas. I just have uh, northerns for now, but that's going to be changing soon once uh, shipping weather is good to go. Um, I also work with uh, children's pythons. Uh, I really like all the Australian and Indonesian stuff, so it's uh, fun little snakes i get a lot out of them still have some uh carpet pythons here i work with uh i have a couple jungles left uh, i have a couple jags and whatnot um i got diamond pythons i got uh, Malukin scrub pythons
2: one of the few with malucan scrub pythons
1: yeah, yeah i am really lucky to be fortunate to have one and I have a pair, so it's, it's really great.
2: I'm really I mean, lucky. aside from you, Scott Borden, and was it Martin Roseman who has some?
1: Yeah, Martin Roseman's is, is got there, some. Steven, is there
2: anybody else?
1: Steven Cush has some. Uh, oh, the, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I know there's a few people that I know with pairs, but they're not very public about it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and there's a couple of people I've seen on some of the Facebook groups that, uh, you know, have lone males or lone females, but yeah, in terms of pairs, that's really all that I, in the United States at least, uh, that I really know.
2: Yeah, because no one's really been able to crack the code on on getting those to breed, right? I know yeah, a lot of people yeah. have tried, but no one's had any success.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things, uh, you know, that are you know in the way of kind of <laughs> getting them off the ground. Um, you know. the biggest concern right now for you know the malucan, uh you know uh, availability or you know being present in the hobby um, is kind of the such limited numbers that they've been coming in um, and I, I've only seen two come in this year so it's uh, I, mean,
2: I would think they're it's probably easier to get your hands on the Boems than it is to get a malucan yeah. right now yeah you absolutely. Think
1: so? More yeah. uh, Boanss have come in, in the last two years than uh, mm-hmm. Class according to you mm-hmm. know, the CITES
2: trade database. Yeah, um, so I was telling everybody if on in the intro, I don't know if you caught it or not, but basically like, so you have diamonds, like you have a section that's, that's pretty much sectioned off for diamonds that you keep cooler than everything else, right?
1: Yeah, it's really a, a room over for me. Uh, I have a door in the middle, but it's not supplementally heated. Half of this, um, ceiling has like foam insulation, a little jerry rigged, but gets the job done for what I need it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I keep them against the, like the concrete foundation that's in my basement. And I'm able to get their, uh, their cages, you know, when like I'm cycling them, uh, down into the fifties in comparison to a room that's in the eighties, a room over. So, uh, I've kind of got them dialed in really well. Um, to, you know, I found a little niche area I can keep them and think I can pull mm-hmm. them off. Uh, you know how many people and people before me have said to keep them. So, uh, yeah.
2: And I'm how many do you have I right now?
1: Are, so,
2: how many do you have right now?
1: I just have a pair. Yeah, I have uh, a okay. female from uh, Greg Heim and uh, my male is from Josh Easter. Nice. Yeah, yeah those are awesome animals.
2: Yeah, man. I like. I see some. Um like Brian Hayes has some that just blow my mind and I'm sure you've probably seen them. He's a VVS exotics, but yeah. he posts some and I'm like, God, that makes me want some so bad, but I don't, it's another thing I don't need, you know?
1: <laughs> I think everyone should have diamonds. I, uh, I wish I got into them a lot sooner. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're a real treat and, uh, you know, I've kept a lot of carpets and whatnot, but they're very different and, uh, they're awesome snakes. I have nothing bad things to say about them
2: i'm just i'm at a point now where i'm really having to, to think about what i want to whittle down you know like if space is getting tighter i'm trying to condense a little bit and get more racks and stuff together but uh you know obviously with the boygo when they get bigger uh those are gonna take up a lot of space the you know the brettles the female brettles when she gets starts hitting maximum density then she'll take up some space and i'm just trying to plan ahead and that's always tough
1: are but, you keeping um, your uh, your breadles cooler than anything else?
2: Yeah, they don't have heat, dude. I don't get mine any heat. They're whatever the room temperature is, which is in my room is usually like mid to upper seventies.
1: And That's what like and the bottom of the floor reads out. Yeah, they
2: do fine. They're they're these things are so bulletproof. I've said it a million times. That's they're freaking indestructible.
1: Yeah, the Diamonds seem to be quite bulletproof themselves. And uh, Mm I don't know, I think uh, a lot of people have a lot of preconceived notions about them and, you know, some of the horror stories and bad experiences that people have happened. But uh, I think they're uh, much more bulletproof than people give them credit for. And if you just, uh, I don't know, listen to the people that are successful with them, then it's, uh, yeah, not rocket science.
2: I mean, you keep them cooler, but you still give them a hot spot.
1: Yeah, so I give them a radiant heat panel. They're in like two foot, so it's a four foot PM perps cage. That's mm-hmm. four foot wide, two feet deep, and it's 16 inch high or something like that. But it's got a divider in the middle, and so I have two panels. setting them up. Can I flip the camera around? Right
2: yeah, here? I think so.
1: Cause I'm right next to them.
2: I've actually never used StreamYard on a phone. So.
1: Woo! Uh-oh. Oh, is it there? Yeah. All right, let's see. Turn the uh, lights off. All right, I don't know how to switch it around, but... <clears throat> so this is my female. Oh, yeah. She's the reduced pattern diamond from Greg.
2: Hyland. Yeah, and I think that's the ones that, that Brian has that I drool over so much.
1: Yeah, this is actually a clutch paint to his.
2: Oh, okay, okay.
1: Yeah. And I just, I keep them pretty plain, just the mm-hmm. cork bark high that they don't really use. She's always chilling on the perches, but the heat panel's on for eight hours a day and then it cuts out. I keep the mail a little differently just because, uh, I don't know, when I have like just a small sample size of a pair, uh, I kept them the same way for a while. Um, I don't know. They were kind of doing the same thing. So I don't know. I decided to switch it up and just uh, see how he would react and, Mm -hmm. with uh, aspen and uh, different perching options and he still goes through the same routine so that's why i keep them differently Uh, just an observational thing uh, in terms of substrate
2: yeah because i I mean I've, i've always heard things about them being a little trickier but it's always been as far as like reproduction that's been the trickier part like they're not necessarily difficult to keep it's just you know, getting them cool enough to pair up and stuff like that. Kind of like brettles, I guess, where you have to get them ridiculously cold to get them, get them going, right?
1: Yeah, that's why I asked about them. I, I don't have any experience with breeding mm-hmm. Diamond Pythons or anything like that, so I don't have much to say on that regard. But
2: <clears throat> Well, I know Casey with his brettles. He's, he, I remember him talking about it pretty early on with us uh, on THP and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm cooling them down to ridiculously low temperatures that for any other snake would probably be detrimental, like yeah. <laughs> detrimentally cold, but uh, they, yeah. they handle it fine. And I mean, he's in North Georgia and it gets, it gets pretty cold up there. And he's like, I mean, we're talking like, I think fifties is like the warmest they get at night, but they get even cooler than that. And then he just puts them back in the cage during the day, lets them warm back up. And then at night, he you know, they cool again and, I, from what I understand, like they they won't breed um if you don't get them just super cold like
1: that. Interesting. So, like you want not even get population.
2: I don't think so, but I don't know. At the same time, I do wonder because I mean, like they are carpet, like they are Morelia, and I feel like a a male Morelia would try and breed no matter what. But hmm. he also said, uh, if I recall right, like the males you want to males have to be a little bit older than what yeah. the norm is for a lot of Morelia as far as getting those to pair. Gotcha. So, but are you planning to, you have jungles right now still, right? Are you planning to phase out those entirely? Are you getting out of jungles?
1: Um. So I got one jungle male left. Oh, okay. Um, I, he's a really nice male from Good Bloodlines from Martin Rosemond and uh, I don't know, I was into jungles for a while and they're kind of what got me started on the Morelia wave and you know, really interested in it, so I'm gonna keep him around uh, just as a pet. You know, and sentimental value. Yeah, yeah. He's. Uh, I used to have a lot of jungles, and I uh, I lost a lot of them. So uh, yeah, he'll be kicking around here. Maybe I'll get a girlfriend for him one day. But yeah, I think I'm just gonna hold on to. Man, but I
2: remember when I... jungles were the thing, though. Like there was a point in time where, like, if it was carpets, like jungles were the most popular thing. Like that's all anybody wanted, you know, IJs were sort of the trash carpet of, of sorts, and you could get them for next to nothing, and nobody was doing anything with them, and now I I think we're at a point where now jungles are, are sort of, not necessarily backburnered, but they're definitely not the focus of, of Moralia anymore, at least in my opinion, but you yeah, need to get you some uh, IJs, dude. I would, uh,
1: the thing with, like, IJs, or getting into carpets or getting into new species for me as i like, kind of go all out um hey. i uh i have an empty rack for AJ's here um so i would love to do it but uh i just uh, haven't had like the the gap in like uh my quarantine that i would mm-hmm. need to be able to make it happen and there's a lot of cool people you know starting to do some stuff so maybe i'll be lucky enough to I don't know. Get some stuff from the people that are working with them now, um, a few years down the road, and uh, yeah. It's oh, fine. I mean, you have
2: good taste in everything else, so I'm sure you'll get the you know the top tier stuff. I know Jake and Billy are both producing some. They got either they have some awesome pairs they've already put together. or They have some stuff that'll be ready in the next year or two. That's just going to be absolutely insane.
1: You know, yeah, so. I, I'm frequently on uh, Billy's available page on his <laughs> website. Stuff, you so. don't yeah. ask
2: him about any of it because he will—he will talk you into it. He's a whole uh, like he's all quiet and stuff. To every, everyone thinks he's so quiet, but that dude's trouble, man. Like you go to Daytona, he'll get you drunk. You talk to him about animals, he'll get you to buy one. Like he's.
1: Yeah, I've been meaning to call Billy. I haven't uh, spoken with him really since uh, Southeast Carpet Fest. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I gotta give him a call on these days.
2: Yeah, see he's got some some Russian uh cross with Balin tigers that he just produced recently that are which I'm a sucker for tigers, especially the Russians. Like
1: Yeah, they're awesome. He's I never uh was or really into the coastals and whatnot, but uh I don't know. Now that I've got more of like an eye for the, you know, um mm-hmm. non morph stuff and what have you, it's uh definitely a really intriguing project intriguing projects that uh are in good hands but uh
2: yeah awesome things yeah i mean i'm right there with you with the coastals i've never been huge into them but like those russians and the you know the especially the stuff that caponetto is working with at one point you know those are just unbelievable yeah cox It is a maclets
1: That's how I say
2: Maclots. i could going to say Maclots. <clears throat> how are the children's doing? you gotten into those recently, right?
1: Yeah, so uh, I got a group of females off Gary, Shadino and uh, mm-hmm. Timley. Um, so uh, I grew them up for a little bit. Um, I got four of them, and I kept the best two for myself. Um, so I also got a male at Timley. So I got a 1.2 right now. I'll probably add another male at some point. I'm working with uh, Justin Julander, Ryan Young, Bloodlines. Um, so I think I'll add another male at some point. But, uh, yeah, they're awesome little snakes. I enjoy them a lot.
2: I've had some children's over the years. I had some spotted's at one point And I don't, like, I liked them. I don't. I gave Bill, I had a, a lone male that I got from Andy Grossman, who produced some really good-looking children's. Um, I lost the female at one point, And so I ended up just giving Billy the male for one, for like a big exoterra that now has some dark frogs in it. But, um, I don't know. They're just they're so damn untrustworthy. They're like kings. <laughs> like they're like cow Kings, man. Like, or Brooks, you, you look away for a half a second and they're trying to eat your finger.
1: Yeah. 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 They're, uh, definitely got more energy than some of the other things. And you can see their brain moving and whatnot. They're always yeah. in that thinking mode. Um, uh yeah,
2: they're really uh, funny to watch. Were yours already eating when you got them or did you?
1: Yeah, mine were very well established. Okay. They yeah. were uh, a breeze.
2: Because I think uh, Riley was breeding them for a while too. And I think the last clutch that he dealt with, he's like, he had had such a hard time getting them to eat that he just, he's like, I'm not going to breed these things anymore. Like they were just such a, such a pain
1: yeah I hear that a lot with you know all of Antaresia uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I don't know I don't know what it's with me getting into snakes that are hard to start but
2: uh, <laughs> I mean uh, Dan Dan who is probably in the chat still he just produced some uh some Stimson's I believe and he's he's been going through the the trials of of getting them to survive <laughs> and keeps uh, trying to get me to buy a treat an Amazon that he has. And I'm, my days of Amazons are done. I'm, if I I'll get into emeralds one day. I want to get some Russian eye eventually, but other than that, like Amazons, I've just pretty much just I've had a handful over the years. I just I'm kind of over them.
1: Yeah, me as well. I had a a group for a little while, and uh, not the uh, for me, they just weren't the funnest captive snake to keep. Um, I definitely see the appeal with all the polym. Um, you know, the lion breeding them and taking out all the traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are doing awesome stuff with them. Ian's having some success and making some real yeah. cool stuff. Keith McPeak's been making some real top stuff. And uh, so, I don't know. Just, uh, I had them for a little while and uh, I don't know. They just didn't uh, excite me, you know, when I opened the tub as much as other things. Um, so, I don't know. If I, I don't know, I kind of, the project just really wasn't
2: for me. Yeah. And that's another species, man, where there was a point in time where they were pretty cheap. Like no one was really doing much with them. And then they kind of disappeared for a while. And then within the last couple of years, I'd say they've, they've definitely sort of skyrocketed back up to, you know, now you're seeing really expensive, really nice stuff. That's, uh, you know, like Ian, stuff Ian's producing and whatnot, you know, they're. There was there was a point where I could get babies for I don't know like colored stuff too for like seventy five bucks a piece, yeah. and now you're looking at like $200, two hundred three hundred plus if it's something that's you know really nice, and uh, it's it's just it's funny that's something I actually want to I want to write about that in the, the next issue of the magazine you know sort of how species just sort of come and go and you know we we lose some species because there's just not enough people working with them. You know, like Savu's are a good example. You know, Savu's used to be another one that was really popular and a lot of people had, and then they sort of fell by the wayside, and now you, you rarely see any. I, know, I only know of a handful of people that even have them, and, and you know, Gary's one of them. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I believe P yeah, and Cody sure. have some, but it sucks. Yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, it's also a Team Wars as well. They kind of fall in that yeah. category with coming pretty hard to find. The uh, silver sabus are really badass.
2: Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's so- the only liases I've ever really wanted were those. those.
1: things are sweet. Yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. James uh said so, like in February, James uh you know he's always had his eye on team wars and really wanted team wars. Um uh, he just wasn't seeing as many coming in, so James put together a hell of an army in like a couple weeks of Timors. So now he's got oh, really? raising up. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm happy he found another project because he's just been working with conjos for so long. But mm-hmm. He's really into his Timors, and uh, they're really awesome snakes. And I definitely see the appeal.
2: Yeah, and for someone told me, I don't know who it was. It might have been Luke Myers because Luke Myers had some at one point and he said they were really messy. Um, but yeah, I, I want to say it was him who told me they were like this evolutionary link between like retics and scrubs, which I thought was really interesting.
1: Yeah, I've heard there's a paper out on it or something like that. And I haven't been able to get anybody mm-hmm. to send it to me um, right, or anything like that. I'd love to check it out. If anybody listening has it or, or you know, knows where to find it, I'd love to take a peek at it. Uh, Definitely yeah not. I'm sure
2: Luke knows where it is I'll have to ask him about it very
1: cool
2: because he had some before he I think all he has now are chondros. I and mean, he he had the a, a pair of Timors, and he you know he liked them a lot but he's like they're just they're messy they're just they're not chondros. you know so he kind of went the other way on that and just wanted an animal that doesn't spread crap everywhere and apparently they're they're fairly quick too like they're they're kind of spastic
1: yeah, here's some of the, you know, older animals tend to um whatchamacallit? Um uh, what's the word? Spread urates everywhere, all over mm-hmm. the place that you got to handle. What's the uh I don't know, there's a term for it. I'm tired. Um but uh musk. They tend to musk a lot oh, yeah. some of the older adult animals, but uh Yeah, James doesn't really have many, you know, messy stools or anything like that. Pretty normal python Mm -hmm. deprecations. He's got a male that tears up its tub every night, but other than that, that's all I know about.
2: That's the struggle I had with with the bear traps and stuff, man. Like, I was keeping them on paper towel, and it was like every night they were flipping the water bowl and just absolutely destroying it. And so Mm -hmm. finally, I just put them on loose bedding, and all that stopped. So, maybe that's the case with them, but... Who knows? But how many uh, how many emeralds are you, you you rocking now?
1: Uh, right. I just have a pair of northern's here. Oh, what's? Yeah, I've been uh, growing them slowly but slowly, and uh, I don't know. Once I've hit like they're around like two and a half, almost three years old, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last like three or four months, they've really started to pick up in size is interesting they haven't uh, i don't know i haven't seen them put on so much size so quickly in such a short amount
2: of time but you ever know. noticed that with green trees though because i've i've had a few of my ox, they hit like maybe the year and a half mark maybe two years and it was like within a month man they almost like doubled in size they just they hit this this spot where they just skyrocket
1: mm. have
2: you noticed that in any of years at all
1: um only in females really Around like the two-year mark, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, just females really. I've seen that.
2: And Cox said they're the closest living relative to retics as far as timors go. So he so said that's why they hybridize surprisingly well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that. I haven't seen a picture of any of those offspring
2: man, you could tell me that somebody hybridized pretty much any two species. And I'd be like, yeah, probably. I think it's just,
1: and I
2: don't I think, think the, a... the whole mad scientist thing is as big as it used to be, but definitely still exists.
1: Yeah. I've, uh, you'd be surprised who the mad scientists are. I've uh, I'd be like chilling at shows and uh, some people would come up to me and tell me what the hell they're doing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it tends to happen at like the New Hampshire shows I hear, uh, you know, those stories of you know five species hybrids that they're getting fertile clutches out of, and yeah, it's interesting stuff. I can't. I, um, I think in one of our podcasts, that I was talking a lot of shit about carpandros. Um, <laughs> I have like designer chondros, so I can't really say shit. Um, so, yeah. No,
2: but you know what I like about about that in chondros is no one seems to really care. Like Natouche put out that paper that was like, Oh, guess what? You've all been breeding hybrids this entire time. And a lot of people were like, Well, we kind of already figured. But it's not nearly like like the purest with carpets and stuff, man. Like, it's so much nicer to have the conjo guys be like, Oh yeah, that's nice. You know, you're not gonna have people that are like, You don't know how pure that is, you don't have any documentation, you don't know what this is like Big Whoop. Oh god, Dan said, speaking of albino bretili.
1: Those are pretty badass, but...
2: It was cool, man, but it wasn't like...
1: I'd like to not see them in the United States. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we ever will unless somebody sneaks them, stuffs you know, them in their underwear.
1: Top of it. Somebody saw that picture, and they're on it. But, hey, people can do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. As as they're having fun and doing the right thing and representing their animals the right way.
2: I think that's part of the reason why brettles are kind of overlooked a lot, though, is because they don't have all those, you know, the crazy neon colored morphs. And like Stonewash are really cool. Stripes are really cool. But you get one color, you know, that's kind of it. Mm. Yeah. See those right there. It's cool. Like, I like it, but it also kind of feels wrong.
1: Yeah. Like, where did the all the sibs go, you know?
2: Oh, they, those are all in Australia. Like, those aren't going anywhere. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. But you look at that. I mean, I like, it's, it's kind of tough because Australia, like, I feel bad that they don't, they can only keep what they have there. But at the same time, like, you see all the Antaresia morphs and stuff they're working with and stuff like that. And it's like, all right, maybe it's not so bad. But
1: some of the, uh, children's python morphs over there are insane. I've seen some of, like, uh, Peter Birch's, like, Mm -hmm. Room tours or what have you and uh yeah, they're, they're awesome. That's I wish we had movie. some of those, but I don't know. Children's pythons are cool as they are.
2: hmm I really like the granite spotted. Yeah. I never had any, but I always liked them. Mm-hmm. But what's your uh what's the first thing you're gonna be like as far as breeding projects go, like I know you're not you're not doing anything currently, but what's the what's on the docket for the first pairing you'll be doing with what you got?
1: Um, hoping, well, I have some projects this year, um, with some, um, have some, uh, putting my mail on loan. Um, one of my condo males see if you can get the job done. Um, so that'll be going this year. I'm still looking for uh, like a nice red neon bioc male. Um, but with my bioc female, I got like, uh, it sold to me as like a mystery, uh, I got him in a trade um, with some caging. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's like a Jai or something, but I don't really have any plans for him. and might be after all. Um, and then more conjures next year. Um, hoping to do... I might... Um, hmm. So I might be doing like some blue-to-blue stuff. And also, I want to do some blue line outcrosses. Um, so I'd like to outcross my male that I got from uh, Francis, mm-hmm. that I got from Pedro that was produced by Francis. Um, I'd like to get a really nice uh, outcross clutch. and I, That might be happening next year with a very worthy female. Um, but, uh, and then the emeralds in uh, 2022 um yeah I don't know I'm kind of all up in the air waiting for a lot of stuff to be sexed before I can like lock in my projects yeah. so to speak um I've been very methodical about what I've been bringing in um especially conjure wise and the bloodlines I'm working with um so I guess I'll have a better understanding of w- what my the shape of my projects will look like later this fall once I'm able to sex some neos and uh get some more of my animals that I'm waiting on it. and given they clear quarantine and whatnot, uh, then I can start to consider them for my projects.
2: Well, What's your thought process as far as outcrossing the blue stuff? Like, what do you... Because I have that male from David, or it's not a male, I don't know what it is, I think it's a female, but I have that, that one from David which has, you know, the Rico blood and it was from the, you know, him and Gary Schiavino put together some the stuff product, and this I mean, is the office... yeah. And it's like, I don't, I'm a few years out for me to able to pair it. And I'm trying not to, I don't like to count my eggs before they hatch, you know, no pun intended, but, um, you know, like I'm really, I just, I'm at a period now where I just want to pair everything to be just to see what happens. But that's also lineage that I kind of want to, I don't want to do a disservice to, if that makes sense. Like when you have yeah. that kind of blood in your collection, you know, it's like, you don't want to just pair it to anything, but so what do you, it's like, what's, what's as far as the outcrossing, are you looking to just outcross it to other blue line stuff that just isn't related? Or? Um,
1: not necessarily. Um, so the, like when I think of outcross, like the blood that I comes to mind when I'm thinking of blue line outcross or something like that is James Oakdall's Highland stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, uh, in a lot of potential for blue on its own, just being line bred. Um, and the outcrosses that have the one outcross that's been done to blue blood is the results speak for themselves. And mm-hmm. everybody should go uh, look into what James is doing and where his offsprings ended up. Uh, he's uh, been producing a lot of cool stuff from that stuff. So, um, like the Highland type animals, they're kind of like an undocumented line that he's working with. Um, so it's unrelated to all blue stuff. Um, but that's been, you know, bred two, to three generations to refine the blue traits and some mm-hmm. of the stuff that pops out. So, that, like, is like a compatible and a good pairing in my eyes. I mean, I guess you don't know if it's a compatible pair in terms of, you know, phenotypes and what you're going to be getting out of it until you do the pairing. Right. But um, I don't know. That's kind of where my mind goes. Um, so, like, animals' lines that are away from, you know, the blue line. Um, preferably with you know no blue line in it um, to you know make it easier to understand what you've got and what's in your snake but uh, and and also you know uh, like a uh, resemblance of phenotypes between the male and the female but also there's been some insane stuff when it's an insane mash of phenotypes so Mm -hmm. just for what comes to my mind um, and uh, yeah and there can certainly be outcrosses to, you know, other designer lines and whatnot, but yeah. when it comes to my mind is that I have some potent blue line stuff. So I don't know, just trying to outcross it and to it can continue to be line bred and, you know, not having, you know, very inbred pedigree.
2: Yeah. And I will say that is one thing about the contract community. I like too is everyone sort of has their own philosophy as far as like what to do with, with, you know, really nice bloodline stuff like that, and you know, some people are like me, where they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna throw it to Beoc or Womina and see what happens, and you know, let it just let that blood just, you know, create a little bit of chaos in that line and just up it, you know." Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you plan to, to do any like Bioc pairing, any of that stuff at some point?
1: Um, I'd like. I just. Uh, I don't really have anything that. Um... I don't have any BIOC females that, you know, I'd want to put a blue male to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, uh, I don't know, maybe if I had some more BIOC stuff to work with, you know, I it could be more in consideration with what I'm working with. But, uh, there is a lot of cool BIOC stuff that would certainly make a good app roster a lot of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Some of
1: the, uh, the snake I got from, uh, I got it from Tim Morris, who's produced by Cody Bartolini, the one 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 TM Blue Mail clutch. Um, so that's got a fair bit of Biak influence, mm-hmm. and you can kind of see it in a lot of the animals in the clutch. Apart from you know Nebula, that ended up with Francis, that's a very melanistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rainmaker, as Tom calls it, up in Canada. Yeah, that's her. Um, so she's kind of got like a Biak head. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that would be, you know, cool to put a B.O.C. to or something like that. But I wouldn't want to just put it to, you know, a B.O.C. that, you know, just looks like a bioc. Maybe some of the F1 and F2 B.O.C.s can throw a lot of melanism. Mm-hmm. Tim Morris has done uh, a couple pairings uh around 10 years or so ago, something like that. um And he got really, really cool B.O.C.s out of that. He's got one with, uh, James, that's probably 30% black um, and so I, I'd like I would that would definitely be in the cards for me you know if I had something like that to put to her um, for a further outcross, but uh, she's kind of in my plans for uh, either a calico male um, just because of the red tail she's re- uh, retained and how spread out they are along her body it's a really weird looking snake to look at mm-hmm. in person um, She's right here. So I'll go there. She's in chat.
2: But... Speaking of Cody Bartolini, I got this, this awesome RPI shirt on.
1: Oh, yeah. That's pretty dope.
2: <laughs> Hoping to hang out with them pre Daytona again.
1: Yeah, really awesome people. So. This is the, she's in shed, so she's not looking as awesome as she would be. But, uh, here you can see that red scales that she still, yeah. uh, it's not really picking up well, but it's quite considerate and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Some of the scales have transitioned to yellow. Some of them have turned white. Um, so. I'm thinking I'm going to be putting her to my Sco- sky topaz, like Sarong wrong from Dave, Dave D. Um, just cause I think that'll be a nice pair. It's 50% or it's really 25% blue line in that male. And this girl has a whole mishmash of different blood lines, really a lot of resemblance to, uh, Kind of the old Yeller phenotype and mm-hmm. very consistent with the carpet man Queen clutch that the male was from. So I think uh, that would be an interesting mix just to see what I'd get. But uh, I'd also really like to do a Tiger Stripe Animal or Calico Animal turn. But I don't know. I could easily change, but she just bit me.
2: <laughs> how old is that one?
1: She's a twenty seventeen. Okay. She March or no. Four five seventeen was her happy date.
2: And how often do you feed yours just Condras? Uh,
1: the females probably eat every two weeks. Um I kinda let them have bowel movement and then I'll wait three or four days just because they seem to be I kind of monitor a lot of stuff on cameras uh, so I can check on them during the night and see what they're doing um three to four like a couple after they have bowel movement and if you don't feed them with food right away I tend that they visit the water bowl a bit more um and they're uh, kind of moving around a bit the females tend to with me at least they tend to not really leave that uh they keep that last coil on the perch that they've been chilling on on, and just hunt from that position. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I give them a little break with food, they tend to be not doing that as much and definitely more frequent water trips to the water bowl. So for that reason, I give them three to four days after they defecate um, before I feed.
2: Hmm. Cox said, if only Andy would pair a diamond with a chondro. He's... <laughs> <laughs> Cox is just here to stir the pot.
1: Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. Although I don't I think that's ever that been here, done, it. so yeah, it would be interesting. I, mean, I
1: guess it could hypothetically happen on in Australia. I mean, mm-hmm. if the stars aligned and a diamond was way up north, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's your I mean, what's your opinion on hybrids?
1: Like, carpondros. Just in
2: general. Right?
1: Um, I think uh, people should do whatever makes them happy, I guess. Um, I guess that's what I'll say. That's a that's a great, the subtlest but, way to
2: say uh, fuck them.
1: <laughs> basically. Uh, but as long as they're representing the animal well, and it's going to people who will then represent the animal well mm-hmm. as well. And people really know what they're getting and they're being not, you know, fucking doing stupid stuff, uh, then, hey, do whatever you want. But I don't know. I would rather not see, like, Bowling, Jungle... I yeah, like, that kills cross, me, man. ...end up on, like, a wholesaler's list or something.
2: Mm-hmm. That and, like, Parent Chihuahua's the DeCrested's. Like, that's... Same. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. It's like, I, I can't wrap my head around taking such a, like a high end animal, like a Chihuahua, which is, you know, a grand and pairing it to a crested, like to me, it just, it doesn't make any kind of sense, but I mean, I'm with you, you know, if that's what people want to do, feel free. Like I, I appreciate hybrids for what they are. Like if you need a really nice Jag Ponjo or Car Ponder like Billy's produced, like I've seen them in person. They're, they're really cool looking animals. You know, it's not something I'm really going to go out of my way to drop that much money on, but, or make myself, but,
1: I guess uh, they're cool. Uh, where I start to raise the eyebrow when you're in like F two, F three of those projects, and you got like I don't know, like eighty eight percent, you know, mm-hmm. jungle chondro cross or whatever, and you can't tell that, you know, it was a hybrid. I mean, I haven't like done an inspection of its like head scales or anything mm-hmm. like that. But uh, I don't know. It just uh, gets in the hands of the wrong people, and uh, I don't know. Just at least you know, I know billy a little bit and i know that he's doing his due diligence representing them well uh Mm
2: -hmm.
1: for what they are um and uh i don't know i don't have too many good things to say so i'm not gonna say too much but oh
2: billy billy does it right in my opinion too because billy like that's not his focus but billy you know he has a male chondro and he has a female and so he'll put them together and uh you know he'll it's just a fun little sort of side project of his and He's, yeah. I mean, I I got to give him credit. I mean, he sold a ton of them. Like, they, they've, every time he produces them, they fly. I think he He sold one or two at Daytona. he only brought, I think, maybe three or four with him, And, I mean, those are the most expensive animals at this table. And they, they go, so.
1: Yeah. Okay. There's Can't a demand for it, so. Mm-hmm. And it's, like I said, they do look cool. My, like, not my thing. Yeah.
2: They they look awesome. Like, I appreciate what they are and what they what they look like. But again, that's not something I'm going to go out of my way to drop a ton of money on. So, yeah. When I can spend that same amount on a really nice chondro,
1: yep. Like I'm, I'd rather do that. So captive bread chondro at that too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hello. Hello. What's up?
0: Okay. Yeah,
2: um, I've had my I've had my pair together, my Beox, man, and they've they've really taken a break as far as locks and stuff. So I'm wondering if something's gonna happen, but I haven't seen any signs of follicles or ovulation
1: or anything like that. So. But you've seen locks.
2: There was a point where they were locked. Like I I when I was turning everybody's lights on in the mornings, they were locked up,
1: or oh, at, at least cuddled locking- up. Are they coddling or are, are, did you follow the same cycle as you did last year in terms of, you know, time frames and parent stuff? Though?
2: Yeah. And I'm thinking it's going to be the same result where I, you know, I paired them in like June and didn't get eggs until I originally said December, but I actually looking back, I think it was actually February, which falls in line with everyone else's, um, you know, cycle in seasons, you know, them breeding later in the year and sort of being the opposite of what we have here and they breed, you know, their fall, Faller or, or winter breeders, um, so I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things. I think where like yeah, you can replicate all the right conditions and make it happen, but if you just kind of put them together, like I have, you're pretty much going to get the same results as everyone else when they, you know, legitimately cycle them. I guess. So, we'll see. Okay.
1: When when was the last lock that you saw in date?
2: Uh, it's been. They slowed down, and then I saw them the other morning. This was maybe, maybe a week ago. They were kind of cuddled up. I couldn't exactly see if they were lock, lock, or if he was just annoying her. Um, but they've definitely, they definitely slowed down. But we were also getting a lot of rain at one point, and it's kind of slowed down on that front too. So, who knows?
1: Yeah, I'd be interested enough. She's you know spending more time under the heat or anything like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, she, she's one of those condos. Like you can, you can crank the temperature up, you can crank the temperature down. Like that's that, that hot end is just where she likes to hang out. You know, she'll, she'll move to the other end occasionally, but most of the time she stays kind of in the same spot and I've turned up the temperature cause I thought maybe it was just too cool and she didn't no change. And then I've turned it down and no change. And she's just one of those ones that that's, that's just, that's, the, that's her spot.
1: Don't you? Dude, I don't have uh, many contras that, you know park on the heat like that. I have one male that tends to do it, but mm-hmm. yeah, they usually spend most of their time on the other side.
2: That was something me and David and Luke were talking about the other day, um, and maybe I mean with your observations, I know some of your stuff isn't sex, but like being able to tell a male from a female just from behavior, you know, even when they're you know in that yearling two-year mark because i've it's something i've been doing i have a i have my my sticks rack from from sean my arboreal rack Mm -hmm. and that's got nothing but yearling and two-year-old condros in it and it's i've been sort of keeping track of of which ones are pretty much staying in the same spot and which ones are actually moving around more and i'm actually curious to see if if what i guess is a male or a female just based on how mobile they are if that'll actually translate into anything once they're you know they're sexable and I know the one from David it shed recently and it was looking like it might be female but it is still kind of early um, and then I have there's like I think if if my my guesses are, are right I think that racks gonna be pretty evenly split see like three males three females so you ever notice anything like that you
1: um, in terms of like identifying them on a younger age prior to probing.
2: Yeah, just like I mean, do you have animals that you know are female, but you also notice they don't they don't move around nearly as much, like they're much more sedentary?
1: Yeah, my uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of I kind of learned like everything along those lines uh, from observing, you know, James and James Opdal point mm-hmm. stuff out to me because I'm there, you know, every other weekend, pretty much. Um, but mostly, it's. Uh, I don't know he can tend to tell like after like the seventh or eighth meal it's not only you know where they've been perching and whatnot but he tends to you know take notice about how aggressively stuff is taking food um, when it's bowel movements are and stuff like that so mm-hmm. I have some that were, like raced up and they were pretty sedentary and didn't move much and they turned out to be males Uh, I think it also comes down to uh, the perching options within the cage. Mm -hmm. Um, I find with the much, I've done super thin perches, uh, 3 16th of an inch acetron. uh, It looks a lot smaller than it is, but my Neos tend to not move as much when I just have Mm -hmm. like a center mounted, you know, perch with the cable, the zip tie holders. Um, I found that they aren't very active with just that setup. Um, so with like uh, David Brom's, you know, three D printed perch or something like that. Um, I don't know. I find my neos perching at different places from various days. Uh, but with like a simpler hmm. perching setup that's just you know, uh, you yeah, know, straight. It doesn't have any crisscross or anything like that. They uh, don't utilize as much space. I mean, I. Could just be looking at snakes at different times of the day or something. But that's just
2: kind of my observations. That does kind of make sense though. But I think the, the bowel movement thing is also probably a pretty a pretty decent indicator too because I do notice the ones that I think are females do tend to hold on to it a lot longer. Hmm. Um, I, uh, and like even the- even at night when they're cruising though too, like you know I'll, I'll notice there are some that they don't cruise nearly as much as the other as some of the other ones do, and that's why I think you know maybe there's there's Pretty good indicator of it being a male. Um, I don't know. It's just something fun to think about. It's with as these ones grow, I'm gonna be curious to see. Like I said, how accurate being able to tell based off those sort of behavioral traits. You know.
1: Yeah, and with uh, like in my own experiences, and not just saying what some of the stuff James has taught me, um, that the stuff that I've raised that's turned out to be females definitely doesn't isn't as active at night, and again, like doesn't really sometimes like uh release that back coil off where they're perching but uh i tend to it's definitely more prominent in the sub adult stuff once they've you know started to go through their change and they're putting getting some size that's when i kind of see those behaviors more but i don't have the largest sample size so i uh wish i had uh, a better opinion about it but i'm not too sure
2: yeah we need to get i need to get james on the on the chondro cast again man because i feel yeah. like we didn't we didn't get too in depth with with stuff you know on there so yeah, i love i, mean, I love hearing that kind nice. of stuff from guys, though, that have been keeping them forever and and you know they've seen it all in a sense.
1: Mm. yeah james is uh has definitely the most chondro stories i have ever heard you know surface this season so you got a lot to catch up with him about there's yeah. no shortage, uh <laughs> Nightmare stuff to talk
2: about. If there's one thing Condors are good at, it's it's being nightmares. When it's when it's bad, it's bad. You know?
1: So I believe when him and I were on the Condra cast, he told the story of the Tim Morris blue female and the Andrew Amen male. She ripped his cock off or his hemipenes.
2: I think so. I want to say, uh, I, heard, I don't know if he said it there, but I remember hearing that somewhere, either at Daytona or...
1: But, so I don't know if I should tell a story or wait for him to get on. I'll tell the short story. The male the male, unbreedable, he ended up getting an infection in his uh, cloaca and ended up passing. The female um, had like a retained egg or uh, she had complications with laying. She also died. One egg was fertile. It went full term, egg tooth broke in the egg, and it died. And James lost the male and the female and the one Neo that died in the egg.
2: There's three shots to the nuts. Yeah. There's one thing enough.
1: Oh my gosh. Just heartbreaking. Like, mm.
2: Yeah. It's... Yeah, I mean, andros they're not hard snakes to keep, but like I said, when it's bad, it's bad, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: The... Uh... I haven't had any issues with any of mine recently, thankfully, but, you know, it's always like, you always kind of wonder, like, at what point am I due for some sort of kick in the nuts? Hmm.
1: Right when you think everything's dialed in to the most you have ever had, that's when you get, you know, absolutely hit hard.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you, uh, you ever talk to Will Banks at all? before he yeah, passed
1: yeah i spoke with him quite often yeah it's, it's yeah, terrible
2: he was big into the tiger stripe stuff
1: yeah yeah he had uh, some good examples that he got he had a uh, really top calico tiger stripe cross animal yeah yeah that yeah, was and i was excited I to
2: see what he was going to do with that thing man it really sucks that that you know, he passed away and he was a, he was a good buddy of mine too. I talked to him on a regular basis as well. And it's just, when I found out, man, it was, it was really shocking. It took a few days for it to really sort of sink in.
1: Yeah, definitely a huge loss for the community. And, you know, another breeder who was, you know, having good success, you know, getting captive bred chondras into the hobby and, you know really refining his projects and getting to the point where he's going to be you know doing some of the stuff that he's worked so hard you know mm-hmm. to do it, to you know those projects are starting to come together and
2: yeah he was killing it man he was producing a lot of really nice stuff and he was one of the one of a handful of guys that was really focusing on beox too which yeah. i always found odd cuz you know beox are the most commonly imported the ones you see the most at shows but they're the m- most uncommon as far as like captive bred and uh yeah you know there's guys like myself and will banks and Brian fisher and thomas O'Kane and stuff that are that are really f- hyper focused on the box stuff and yeah it sucks that he's out of the equation on that now and mm.
1: yeah it's it's such a tough loss and
2: yeah yeah i mean even between him and and you know forrest and stuff like that it's pretty big uh it's a nice cup there buddy
1: Thanks. Yeah. I'm in the snake room. Yeah. I got to use what I got. He's <laughs> <Pinkies> out. <laughs> but yeah, I just, uh, yeah. Keep losing a lot of people and it really sucks.
2: Mm-hmm. The, uh, as far as the scrubs go, do you have any plans to get into those anymore other than the outside of the, the class to or,
1: um, my class Lepus are out and about right now. Um, I think, uh, I'd maybe work with, uh, you know, if I was able to get like some normal, uh, patterned, uh, nada,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I would love to do that. Um, get like some young ones and be able to raise them up. Um, but besides that I, I'm pretty, uh, fixated on the scrubs and I, you know, I, I want to, you know do them right and get them in really nice caging and whatnot so it would just be kind of unreasonable to you know uh get into you know the other scrubs and i'd like to stay focused with the uh the malukins and you know maybe the tandem bars but Mm -hmm. i'm very focused on the malukins
2: i'm getting phil's at some point he's got a nice little male it's one of the exantics and uh the only reason I'm getting it is because it's it's a it's a tana bar and it's the smaller variety. Because you know I I like it's awesome that Jake wants to get more into them. Like I they're really cool snakes. I love scrubs, but I'm I'm not willing to commit the space to to big Barnecks or big southern's. You know.
0: Yeah.
2: Cause they're awesome snakes. They're, I love seeing Jake's. I love messing with Jake's. It's a it's an absolute nightmare. A uh, little demon, but you know I just dealing with that when it's way bigger, you know, it's going to be a handful and I'm I'm actually very much looking forward to see Jake have to deal with that <laughs> when it gets to be a bigger size. Cause he's pretty small.
1: <clears throat> yeah. But at least he's, uh, he's able to raise it up, you know, on the smaller mm-hmm. side and get to know its mannerisms and, you know, what it, how it likes to be handled, you know, as opposed to, you know, getting a 12 foot snake and taking it out of the bag and, you know, you got to, learn it from yeah, there
2: hell on wheels man yeah it's crazy that thing's not even that big i mean it's only a maybe a two-year-old snake and uh man that thing has no fear it's it's wild like i completely agree with people when they say that scrubs are sort of on an, on another level of you know intelligence and sort of knowing what's going on and i don't know what your experience has been with those guys but
1: yeah, so the Malukans are definitely tend to be one step ahead of you. Here's the male, he's out and about. So try and get him for you. But uh Sorry, what was the question? I got distracted. Get...
2: As far as them being like a hot, like a smarter and sort of much more calculated
1: um They are you can they when you make eye contact with them, they uh, definitely look right through you. They uh, they know you're there. Um, They're very I find them quite visually oriented and they can see Mm -hmm. what I'm doing when I'm around the snake room. Um, They definitely uh, are very accurate with what they're doing and when they are, you know, telling you to back off a little bit. But I've just found that, you know, you got to be very calm working with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have, well, once you get them out of that feeding response. Um, But mine have been pretty good once I, you know, get them out. Uh, I hook them, sometimes double hook them in many circumstances. Um, And I've been fortunate enough not to take like a bad bite. I got nicked by the female. Um, But. They're definitely, uh, I don't even, I have had like a half inch hole in the male's cage when I first Mm got him and he had a, like probably a one inch head at least. And it wasn't even, you know, uh, a worry that he would be able to get out through that hole. Um, and he managed to get out the second night I had him, uh, through a half inch hole. So they, they can definitely, uh, they definitely have a brain on them. They can squeeze through smaller areas than you'd think. Mm-hmm. um and uh they're very uh height oriented when i take them out um they really just want to go up so mm-hmm. i don't know if you know the spin technique a little bit with some of the bigger snakes but uh you the spinning definitely helps with them big time um is there like physically they... spinning yeah so if you're like
2: like disorienting them kind of
1: yeah, so if they, I don't know how to explain this. Doing you
2: know. the hokey pokey. <laughs> yeah.
1: So if they, you're holding them, they got their head up, and they like, they've got a look when they're gonna, you know, give you a strike or. Yeah, that. yeah. So when they turn around, you see that eye. You just kind of turn in that direction that their head has turned mm-hmm. to face you, and uh, that keeps them distracted, keeps them oriented up, and away from concentrating on the heat source of your face. So. I don't know. I, I got them as smaller animals, so I was able to learn how to work with them uh, without stressing me out, and more importantly, stressing them out. Um, so uh, I think I've got a pretty good handle on these two. At least I know them pretty well. Um, so Have you
2: tried pairing I, I, them at all yet?
1: No, no. My female's uh, very young. I oh, okay. her to be a 2019, and she was pretty had like a red tinge on her when she came in. So mm-hmm. she's I got her quite young,
2: Jeez. yeah it's interesting that that no one's been able to breed those yet, and then like the hama have also been like historically difficult makes you wonder what it what exactly is different as far as like their conditions for for being successful with them versus you know the southerns which are not difficult to breed from what I understand and
1: yeah I think it uh it could be like uh their islands, you know. Living animals, uh, like the Molucans are endemic to the Ambon and Saram Islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know if it could have anything to do with that. Um, also, just you know, being able to raise them up from you know any age to sexually maturity can be quite difficult if you're not really in tune with the animals um, and like deciphering what they're telling you, I I think you got to be really on top of them, you know, to keep them alive. Um, And and there's just so fewer of them coming in, too, that there's a smaller sample size being worked with in the States. And, you know, less people that have been able to get pairs together um, and, you know, be able to live out the project for five, six, seven years and, you know, not changing their environment not making moves and getting them really dialed in to the point where they'd be willing to reproduce in captivity Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: uh i think there's a lot of factors at play um but i think it's mostly comes down to the quantity of them in the states that are you know here and people that actively have pairs and are taking a serious look at putting them together um and uh yeah
2: what's been the biggest challenge with yours
1: um, I haven't, I guess I've pretty much been pretty, pretty problem free. Um, I I mean, are you the keeping
2: them out. at a, are you keeping them warmer or cooler than you would some of the mainline stuff?
1: Um, so I keep them, I used to keep the male and the female identically the same. I run a heat panel, uh, for the female, but I aim for like a medium. Median temperature in the cage in a 24 hour cycle with heat on 12 Mm -hmm. hours and heat off 12 hours for like a medium temp of 79 to 81. So if I'm going to have like a, uh, you know, if the hot spot during the day is 84, I'm going to have like a 76 night dropper just so my median temperature is what, you know, I imagine as, you know, the ideal core body temperature for them they tend to avoid basking in terms of like basking with a spotlight bulb. Mm-hmm. Um, the male doesn't really tend to use it that much. He'll um, go up in the branches and like put a coil in the light, but he doesn't like perch under the light, you know, as you could see like a diamond python mm-hmm. under the light, you know, all coiled up absorbing all that heat. I don't tend to see that with the uh, the Malukans, but, um, the male i keep cooler than the female the core temperature like the median temperature i'm aiming with them or with him is like 78 just trying to get a gauge on them i have such a small sample size so right figured like try and get a baseline keep them the same and then i can make tweaks in their own direction obviously i'm not trying to do anything like you know you know something that would kill them or something but Mm -hmm. there's only so much that i know and people that have been willing to share with me that you know i've kind of wanted to see what works best for me or what I think is ideal. But uh, yeah. I think I'm going to stick the, well, once the males cage is ready, I'm going to stick to a uh, heat panel heat source uh, just because of the way that they utilize it is a bit different than like a snake that's basking. I, I'm, right. not, I, I'm not articulating it very well, but um they're not big baskers mm-hmm. uh, and they tend to you know seek out a micro climate in the cage and they have a very you know cycled day
2: hmm. yeah it's just just like with the Bowellans though it just seems like we know that like we know how to keep them and we know that they're overall they're not difficult to keep but for some reason it's breeding you know like how you can have the mainland scrubs that are not, not hard to breed. Like they're not difficult. They're not hard to keep. They're not hard to breed. But for some reason you have like, you know, Malukans and the Holmes and the Boelins and stuff that for some reason, it's just where there's something we're missing and we can't, you know, we can't, no one's been able to really do it successfully on a regular basis. Yeah, Cause I know James still has his bones, right?
1: He uh, lost his female, this breeding season. Oh,
2: that sucks.
1: Uh, he had a complication with her. He was- so sad, but he still has his male.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: He's uh, trying to find a home for it, um, but he's only uh, putting it in the hands of somebody that has an existing existing breeding program. Mm -hmm. It's a a male that was very ready to breed um, and copulated with the female for two years. Um, so he's only putting it in somebody that has an existing collection, um, or is, you know, raising up a project and, you know, is able, you know, not to have like a trophy animal, but
2: yeah. Somebody. I mean, as you should, when you're dealing with that kind of thing, um,
1: yeah, every you know, step then counts when it comes to, you know, yeah. any of, you know, the harder to breed stuff, you know.
2: Yeah. Cause I know it was, it was kind of talked about on NPR recently, as far as. You know, the people that have just a single Boellens just to have one, you know, I think they were sort of talking about how you should just, you know, you should make sure that gets into the hands of somebody who can who can breed it. And yeah. I kind of agree with that. But at the same time, it's like if the person who's wanting to breed them wants a partner for that animal so bad, like they can also just go buy one. But in the case of like you have actual like you, you know that there's people trying and you know somebody personally that's trying to make it happen you know like yeah making sure it gets to to the right people and same with the malukans you know making sure it goes to someone who is already trying to achieve the same goal that you are it's definitely definitely smart especially when there's so few of you doing stuff with them so because i'm sure you talk to borden and i'm sure you talk to martin all the time because i mean you guys are the only ones that i know of that are that keep them you know
1: yeah An even sadder story is martin's thought to be female just shed plugs so now he doesn't even have a pair so it's just yeah we like anybody that's got a lone female should send it to martin you know what i mean like (laughs) so i don't know getting pairs together is really important and having the right people working with stuff is key Mm -hmm. i'd like to think that you know i'm the right person to you know help with the Malukans, and you know can provide some observations and share other keepers you know with what i'm seeing and i'm really uh really really into the project so uh you know i hope that uh, my work pays off one day and i can uh, distribute captive red Bolans to the people that have you know been into it and uh can get uh, we can get a solid apparently the Malukans in the country
2: apparently i'm pronouncing Bolans wrong
1: it's called
2: and I, it helps a lot. Boelens, damn it. Same thing, Macklets, Boelens. Tomato, tomato. If you look at it, it's just... Uh, I have different emphasis on the same syllable. okay? Gosh. Yeah, I yeah,
1: can't say I know too much about the scrubs,
2: but... Um, when do I'm you think they'll be ready to... Would, yeah. When do you think you'll be able to start trying to trying to pair them up? How far out are you looking there?
1: Um, probably uh, another four or five years to go before mm-hmm. introductions happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I some of the successes that I've heard is you know with the cases with the uh, the other example you cited, it just happened you know mature you know male and then a mature mature female. Uh, it's pretty cute though.
2: I would think when you're dealing with an island population like that it, it they probably are a not breeding nearly as frequently as as like a mainland species would or b because they're smaller they are probably taking longer to hit you know maturity and stuff like that and and probably do need an extra couple of years before they're they're even ready so
1: yeah uh-huh. I uh, feed my stuff very sparingly so uh they'll take quite a while to get up to you know quote-unquote ideal size but Mm -hmm. i'm kind of going off age and growing them slow and growing them at cooler temperatures
2: those emeralds are sweet though man switching gears to corralis the uh i know i was talking to you about those the other day and i was asking sort of as far as what you've noticed care wise what the difference is between those and the condors as far as how you have those set up
1: uh yeah, so I keep uh, the emeralds and green trees fairly the same in terms of like, their tub setups and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that I keep the emeralds a little warmer. They have, probably have like uh, one to two degrees higher than the conjas. They have an 80, uh, they get to 86, 87 during the day um, with the uh, 79, 78 degree night drop. So the. Mm-hmm median temperature I'm going for is 82 to 83 with them. Uh, The the median temperature I aim with the Chandra is relatively the same, but I don't give them as much of a night drop. So their temperatures don't swing as much. Right. Um, I give them much larger water dishes um, just to keep humidity up. I, I... the humidity, I've heard, you know, keep it over. I Everything in my room is kept at least that 60% humidity. I run like a whole house humidifier, basically, in my snake room. Um, so everything's at 60%, but I do miss down the bottom of the emerald cages probably two, three times a week. Um, mm-hmm. So they get a little bit of a spike, but I, I don't... Uh, really subscribe to the let the cage fully dry out before you uh, spray it down again. I try to keep things kind of level with them for the most yeah. part. But like I'm not spiking them up to 85% humidity and then it drop into you know, 30 or 20%. Like it's, I probably spiked to 85, 90 and then it dropped down to 60%. Um, I feed them also a little bit less than the chondros. Uh, one meal and then wait for a bowel movement. Um, so with chondros, I tend to go, they tend to have a bowel movement before I feed them again. But with the emeralds, I pay very close attention to it. Yeah. You definitely do not want to double up on meals and whatnot, but uh, it's nothing to really worry about in terms of like, if you're offering a bigger prey size, if you're starting off with uh, healthier or healthy captive bred or, have to born animals in most cases if they've been treated right. But, uh, yeah, that's really... The only I difference.
2: mean, Are you feeding them less frequently, but are you feeding them smaller meals too, or is it pretty average for the size?
1: No, so I've been doing a lot of speaking with Socrates. Uh, he's mm-hmm. got a fucking top-notch collection down in Florida. Yeah, he does. Um, so I kind of bounce stuff off him, and he's transitioned me or... I've taken his advice on smaller or big prey items uh, less frequently and wait for the bowel movement and what have you. And I just Mm -hmm. go off looks with them. Really. Sometimes I'll feed them like every two weeks if they've had their bowel movement and what have you. Sometimes they look a little fuller and I, you know, wait three, four, five weeks. Sometimes it just all depends on how they're looking to me. Um, and yeah, but I've grown them, uh, they've definitely been grown
2: a bit slower than the chondros Hmm. yeah because that's i mean they are i would i think it's fair to say they're they're definitely a bit stockier than than chondros um and if i if i was keeping and that would probably be a species where if i'm second guessing myself as to whether or not i should feed it it's probably safe to say you should probably wait
0: yeah Mm -hmm.
2: i would think but i want to get into them eventually i mean i feel like they they kind of go hand in hand with chondros and you you see a lot of crossover between guys that keep chondros that also either kept emeralds at one point whether they be northerns or basins or uh, they currently have them you know
1: yeah they're very uh similar animal but very different animals at the same time so it's uh it's a nice change of gears uh you Mm know working with emeralds I'd say they're probably a lot less lower maintenance than chondros. Really, I haven't had uh, like any fatal issues really um, with the emeralds. Uh, I, I started off with uh, quality uh, captive born animals, so um, that's definitely got it makes that a difference. Cool. It yeah, makes a huge difference. Um, so I, I've been as long as you start with quality animals, then you should be pretty problem-free.
2: And as far as the basins, uh, do you know, is, is their care pretty much the same as the northerns or do you, they get kept yeah, differently?
1: Identical. Yeah. From okay. what I yeah, know yeah. and how I'm going to keep them. Yeah.
2: So I'd love to get my hands on some of those too, but they're out of my tax bracket. So.
1: Yeah, there's uh. some uh, lower end ones, you know, they're not as bad as uh, everybody, you know, really thinks, you know, it's uh, they're, pretty much the same as some higher end chondros and yeah but uh you know you pay for what you get Mm
2: -hmm. you find your northerns are pretty pretty feisty
1: um my male tends to be uh but my female is pretty cool um Mm -hmm. the uh as long as you don't really you know bump them around too much they tend to stay relatively asleep when you know pull out their perch to change their tub and what have you um but, yeah, sometimes they'll uh, they'll let you know that they don't want to be moved <laughs> But, yeah, I have removable perches and everything. So it's uh, I, I don't get bit or anything like that. But uh, it makes things yeah. a lot easier.
2: David just released the uh, those new fishbone per- perches. Yeah, I if you saw I, those. It like, looks like, I, like I, he sent me some the other day. I ordered a, a Python portal, and he, he threw some in the box. So I have some. They're pretty sweet, man.
1: Yeah, I'd be much more
2: today. apt to use those for small chondros than than the other ones, the traditional ones.
1: Yeah, I uh, I made my order today, so.
2: Did you? I'll be,
1: I'll be putting them in all my, you know, uh, tops, I think.
2: He does such cool stuff, man.
1: Yeah.
2: I, it's uh... Cool cause
1: somebody... I... Sorry. Huh. Go ahead. It's cool to have somebody that's, like, uh, you know, really into chondros, making products very geared towards chondros. So. hmm a lot of times like the companies putting out like quote unquote arboreal stuff don't really have an arboreal background. Right. So they're not like manufacturing to like what us uh conjo guys would, you know. They're painting with a
2: broad brush.
1: Yeah, yeah. So but... David makes very useful and amazing products. I love He everything.
2: does, man, but his stuff like yeah, it's catered towards, you know, arboreal stuff, but I mean, I use his products for the Boiga, I use it for carpets. I use it for Condros. I use it for Amazons when I had Amazons. Like, his stuff's so versatile. And, I mean, I got the Python portals for those Ganyasoma I have coming sometime soon. And, uh, you know, I got some of the hide mounts so you can have the the elevated hide, uh, Mm -hmm. which my my, my Cyania absolutely lose their mind over, man. They're in those things 24-7. But, I mean, like the Python portals... I don't know if you've been if you've used any of those yet, but they're awesome.
1: No, I haven't yet. I'd uh, like to give them a try. i have some, if, this uh, need this ever list. need something like that. Is that like a gray tub or translucent? It's uh...
2: it's not like you can. It's it's translucent. It's probably the,
1: the best. Word for it. Gotcha.
2: That's gonna be one of the gagaest tubs.
1: Yeah, you well, see more and more people starting to transition over to that, you know, style. Yeah,
2: we got like the elevated hide, there's a heat panel, and then I have one of these little cool tech lights that I really like. Super cheap, super light, really bright. And, uh, Pretty cool. I don't know, man. I've been, I'm using these setups for the Boyga. I'm using them for some Chondros, and they're great. They're... uh they work like a charm. So, yeah, unfortunately, I good. ordered one of those Python portals to to put on one of these tubs, and now I can't find these tubs anywhere. Like Walmart's out of them. Um, like they they've disappeared. I don't know what the deal is. I hope they're not getting rid of them. Like they're not being phased out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they work the great. Thing. They hold heat and humidity stupid well. Like almost freakishly. Like I would have never thought they'd they'd hold temps and and moisture as well as they do. Oh, yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. I remember when we were uh, at Carpet Fest, you were telling me and Phil about sort of had your, I guess data collection in your room and stuff. And what, what were you using as far as keeping track of, like you had a remote app and everything and it would auto load into like a CSV file, right? What was it that you were using for that?
1: Yeah, so I uh, I used the sensor push, uh, you know, um, devices to monitor temperature and humidity and most of my stuff. Uh, I don't have it in every, you know, tub and what have you, but I have, you know, at least one rack has a sensor in it just so I have an idea on the tub. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, uh, it gives you very in-depth, uh, you know, reports of, uh, you know, the temperature and humidity throughout the day. And you can, there, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, for people that are really, you know, data, uh, you know, junkies like myself, like it's, it's awesome. Um, and uh, i really look forward to using it over the long term to kind of compare and contrast everything but uh, yeah i have learned a ton just by outfitting some of the tubs in my cages with them uh, you can set and forget your you can i used to tend to set and forget my uh you know the thermostats and you know all you know temp guns. sometimes mm-hmm. you know sure everything's good but uh you get like a unrivaled uh you know set of data with uh with the sensor push devices so you can really and see are there. they
2: just like little units sort of like those govi things that yeah, have gotten popular is it
1: yeah i keep one that because i had one of those my heat and my room.
2: Well, okay because I had one of those gobies and I put it in my egg box with those Baird's eggs that didn't make it, and it got ruined because I left it in there for like a month straight. Okay, yeah, that looks just like the goby goby units.
1: Yeah, these things are uh, really bulletproof. They come with warranties and whatnot. That's why mm-hmm. I get to go with this brand uh, over the gobies. Um, they uh, they I've put them through everything really, uh, and they yeah. I haven't had a single one fail. Sorry. Oh, it back for a Uh I haven't had have a single one fail um, and even it, in
2: it, high humidity
1: no no not at all yeah I keep my emeralds quite humid and you know hmm. I'll spray on them and whatnot and yeah they're fine
2: because I, I had one in my Baird's egg box and I left it in there for like a month straight in that first month and it it won't work now I think it just' it's too much little uh internals got fried or something but mm. Is it all? It all just downs All like the Govies that it just has an app, I guess, and you can just add add devices, and you can go through and yeah. label them and everything.
1: Yeah, it's just like that. Um, I haven't uh, used the GoVy devices, so I uh, don't know too much about how they compare and contrast. But uh, I think uh, with the Sensor Push, you get like real time updates to, and you get mm-hmm. alarms when you know it exceeds a humidity or a temperature or if it, um, you know, is below the ideal temperature and humidity. Um, and it collects data like every five seconds. Um, and I don't think the other device is quite, um,
2: quite doesn't by by the point. hour. Yeah. And the Gobies did it, I think on an hourly basis.
1: Yeah. I, but, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I learned a lot about how my racks and cages perform, uh, with those. It, uh, it's helped me, uh, dial things in you know quote unquote to what i would think like i for example i had a rack set at 84 um and when i put the sensor push in it was staying at about 87 or so during the day Mm -hmm. and i had a 78 degree night drop and the night drop was dropping to 83. so you know it just it uh i don't know that that can be a fatal mistake for some reason I, I'm very paranoid about how everything is uh, running and making sure everyone's all right and all that. so uh, yeah, it's helping. I've with every single tub and cage that that device was installed in, I made changes to how the heat was set up, how the you know night and day cycle was running, my pro placement, all that just so I can, you know match the temperatures that I'm looking to get and what is set so.
2: And you can monitor that remotely, right? You were saying yeah, you could check yeah. that pretty much any time because that was the issue with the Govies is you had to... Like, I think they had a model that you could connect to remotely. Like, you hooked up your Wi-Fi or something and you could somehow get to it. But with the ones that I had, you had to turn on your Bluetooth and then it would auto-populate all the data that from the last time you had, like, checked in on it. Yeah,
1: gotcha. um, yeah. with uh, the sensor push, it automatically does that. Mm-hmm. It comes with a... Um, it's like it almost looks like a router, almost that you plug yeah. into uh, you know your Wi-Fi source or what have you, and then you heart the, uh, it's called like the web extender or something plugs right into it, and yeah, I can get real time updates from anywhere in the world. Um, you saw I was at, Sar- at Carpet Fest and checking yeah. my temperatures and humidity, making sure everything's all right, um, and uh, yeah, so with that addition that it's an additional thing that you have to buy, uh, but it plugs into your router and you can get it anywhere in the world.
2: Yeah. Cause I remember you telling me and Phil about it. Phil was just, I mean, we we're both very impressed. Cause I mean, you don't see people putting that much attention to detail and things, you know, yeah, and I'm sure like, it's, I'm sure that thing saved you a few headaches um, at some point too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I, things like I get paranoid about now are like, did my humidifier in the room shut off and I can just Mm -hmm. check, uh, you know, the room, you know, sensor and see what it is in here. Um, or if I'm on vacation I can, you know, let my, you know, somebody that's home know to fill the humidifier or something like that. That's some Mm -hmm. of the, and also I had a a probe move off a rack. Uh, I guess it, uh, got dislodged when I was pulling tubs in and out and it overheated to, Like 93 degrees, but I got a alert on my phone. I was able to be back at the snakes in 15 minutes and put the probe in the right place. And I could have easily fried a rack full of you know some nice condros. And uh, thankfully, I was like within you know a drivable distance. You know, go and handle that. But I would have never known that if I didn't have you know the sensor. You know, and unfortunately, I'm not able to be at my snakes every day. Um, I try and get here. You know four or five times a week but for you know the days i'm not here i still like to you know be in touch with what's going on and definitely yeah so I it, mean that's everyone's happened.
2: biggest fear is is a fire or something like that going you know where a whole rack gets just cooked
1: yeah it was definitely uh like once i added that to my toolbox uh i don't know i think it's helped me tremendously about how my racks and whatnot are really performing versus you know what i think they're at Mm-hmm. Uh, there was definitely a big variance in that, and uh, so without the device, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, identify that.
2: Definitely. Well, we are about at an hour and a half. Um, I believe Joe said that's about where he was trying to keep things now. Um, but where can people see all the awesome condors and other cool yeah, stuff?
1: I uh. I operate under AM Arboreals on Instagram. It's AM underscore Arboreals. Um, I'm also on Facebook, AM Arboreals, and uh, also use Andy Middleton's, my Facebook page. It's where you can reach me quickest. Uh, but yeah, happy to be on. And uh, Yeah, hey, man, MVP, thanks. You guys having me on, and I'm glad I can make it.
2: This is very short notice, so you're the real MVP.
1: Yeah, no worries. Happy to be here.
2: You plan to go to Daytona at all?
1: No, there's uh, I have to quarantine. If I were to go, I would have to quarantine uh, for two weeks, yeah. and also get a negative test to go back to work. So it's uh, out of the. Not worth the hassle. Yeah, it.
2: No, I don't blame you there. But hopefully, we'll see you sometime next year, either at Carpet Fest or Daytona or something. You know, hopefully, all this is is handled and at least maybe not gone, but we have a better understanding of what exactly is happening so yeah um yeah man
1: take oh, it absolutely. easy i look forward to seeing you guys soon and uh, yeah keep up the good work you and joe and everybody.